are listening to the Healing Migraines Naturally podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Caesar, and I'm helping women rediscover a migraine-free life. Today, I'm talking to Mary, who runs our awesome Facebook community, about acupuncture and the benefits and limitations of acupuncture for migraines. Welcome, Mary. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Very good. So this was actually a request that we talk about this on the podcast. We got a request from somebody in the free Facebook group, Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar ND. Hey, can you talk about acupuncture? So um, I think this is a pretty common question that people have in the Facebook group, people asking if other people have ever tried acupuncture. What do you think, Mary? Um, Yeah, we get a lot of those questions. Acupuncture seems to be fairly popular and I think it has mixed results, though. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is hit or miss uh, when people get acupuncture and the response that their body generates after acupuncture. It's very hit or miss. So we're going to talk yeah. about why. We're going to talk about why acupuncture would help in the first place. And we'll talk about the limitations of acupuncture, sort of when when it's most likely to be beneficial and when it's not. Okay. Sounds good to me. So, uh, acupuncture is a therapy within traditional Chinese medicine Mm -hmm. and us naturopathic doctors. Most of us are trained to do acupuncture. I was definitely trained to do acupuncture when I had my office in Phoenix, Arizona and worked with people in person, in office. This is a therapy or a modality, as we call it, that I would occasionally use. Obviously, I don't use it now because I work with people all over the country over the phone. So you can't can't stick a acupuncture needle in somebody over the phone. So right. It's been a while since I've since I've used the uh, therapy. Right. But um, depending on the state, uh, naturopathic doctors can administer acupuncture. Medical doctors can administer acupuncture in mm-hmm. any state. If they have received some, some training, minimal training, they can do mm-hmm. it. Many chiropractors, de- again, depending on the state and the scope of practice within the state, many chiropractors will do acupuncture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have acupuncturists. So I believe they are licensed in all 50 states. I'm not 100% sure on that. But mm-hmm. in definitely most states, most states will license acupuncturists mm-hmm. and allow acupuncturists to perform acupuncture. Now, certainly, if somebody has a doctorate in traditional Chinese medicine, then they can perform acupuncture too. Unfortunately, Not very many states allow doctors of traditional Chinese medicine to practice that. When I was looking at naturopathic schools, this was a long time ago, only two states licensed traditional Chinese medicine doctors. Right. That's interesting because you wonder, like, I think there's one in Utah that I know of. I don't even know the name anymore, but. Like, it's really hard to find a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. It is. Yes, it is. And and that's going to be because very few states license the practice, allow the practice of it. 
So if you are interested in becoming a traditional Chinese medicine doctor and getting that doctorate, you're probably going to go to naturopathic medical school because we naturopathic doctors are licensed in about half the states rather than two. That's a big difference, right? So if somebody's interested in that, they're probably going to become a naturopathic doctor because we incorporate Chinese medicine. You know, we will, we, we have borrowed some of the therapies from traditional Chinese medicine, some of the philosophy of disease and health from traditional Chinese medicine. So they kind of just umbrella it underneath what they already practice, kind of. Yeah. In naturopathic medicine, we will use any therapeutics that restore health. Mm, okay. Right. So you have, you know, in chiropractic, right, the theory of disease in chiropractic is that there is a misalignment in the spine causing mm-hmm. a, a pinching of the nerves exiting the spinal cord or an impingement of the nerves exiting the spinal cord and the reduced nerve signaling generates disease. Okay. So most uh, other natural medicine approaches are not looking that holistically. Naturopathic medicine, and this is why I became a naturopathic doctor because I looked at everything, but naturopathic Mm -hmm. medicine, we have what I believe to be the most truly holistic approach to disease and restoring Mm -hmm. the health. And so Mm -hmm. we will use anything that helps people restore their health that works within the three principles that I talk about that are required to restore and maintain our health. We will use any, any modalities or therapies that support them. Um, whereas other alternative medicine philosophies or alternative medicine schools of thought are much narrower. Hmm. Okay. That was a little aside there, but hopefully that was helpful to people. I mean, I always think it's interesting to learn more about that. I have a curiosity question, though. Have you personally done acupuncture? Uh, Have I had it done to me? To you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I've had it once. And I just kind of wanted to touch on that just because I know there's a lot of listeners slash uh, Facebook members that ask what it is like. And I think that it's only fair to be like, oh, this is how it felt to me. And, you know, this was my experience as a person, not to say that it's the same for everyone, but, mm-hmm. you know, like for me, I just remember the needles to me weren't super scary. Like they were itsy bitsy, teeny tiny pricks. Like you could hardly even tell it was happening to on a, some level. But I felt kind of a weird tingly, almost like when you touch electricity kind of feeling. Mm, mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. didn't hurt, but I wasn't a fan of that feeling either. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? So mm-hmm. um, what was it like when you've had it done? I would agree with what, what you experienced. The needles are very, very tiny needles. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly, many people have a uh, deathly fear of needles. And in those c- 
cases, they're probably not going to do acupuncture. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I said it was the best thing, you know, the best thing on earth, right? Doesn't matter how big it is if you don't like needles. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But they are very, very tiny needles. They are not hollow needles. Oh, okay. Okay, so they are solid needles. And if you properly place the needle, the likelihood of you feeling discomfort is mm-hmm. relatively small. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, ac- the points, the acupuncture points are specific points on the body. Mm-hmm. And so there's, uh, there's a great deal of skill required mm-hmm. from the acupuncturist or the person administering the acupuncture, whether it's a chiropractor, naturopathic doctor, medical doctor, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it is, and I feel for me, it's a, it's an intuitive skill combined with a concrete skill. So you mm-hmm. have to know anatomy. You have to have the concrete knowledge of anatomy mm-hmm. and the anatomy of the bones, the muscles, the vasculature, Mm-hmm. the nerves, right? Uh, you have to have a, a comprehensive knowledge of anatomy. Mm-hmm. And then there is also an intuitive aspect that has to be employed too. So, mm-hmm. and, and this is a case with any type of body work, right? If we have people listening that are massage therapists or other body workers, you have to combine an intuitive skill with a practical skill. Mm-hmm. So to locate the specific acupuncture points, you have to kind of combine those two areas of knowledge, so to mm-hmm. speak. And so if you are putting the needle in, in the correct spot, it diminishes the likelihood that somebody's going to feel pain or discomfort. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there are situations where if somebody's health is compromised quite a bit, well, then in certain situations, then it might be more painful, even though right. the needle is applied in the in the proper spot. Interesting. Before we go too far, we also get a lot of questions about piercings and like the date piercing and oh, yeah. I can't think of the other names. And I was told that falls under acupuncture. Yeah, great question. It's kind of similar in that a piercing, a person piercing your ear, like I've had my Fenman, is that how you, Shenman, Mm -hmm. (laughs) these words are hard, uh, pierced for anxiety. And, you know, they just look at your ear and it is very like intuitive and it's not an exact science. And if they hit the right place, great. And if they don't, also great, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But very interesting experience. Um, Do you see that as something that falls within acupuncture or? Yeah, great, great question. I didn't even think to talk about date piercings when we decided to do this topic, but it really does tie in. Mm -hmm. So there is a mapping of the acupuncture points to the ear. This is very interesting. Mm -hmm. And so within Mm -hmm. Chinese medicine, there's a concept that the whole body can be found in something like the ear, something Mm. like the tongue, that the body can be mapped 
the whole body can be mapped to different parts of the body. Mm -hmm. And so there is a mapping of acupuncture points to the ear. Mm. So if somebody wanted to, say, have a positive impact on the stomach, there's a particular region, particular points on the ear that correspond mm -hmm. to the stomach. So you, some people might be familiar with ear seeds. So mm -hmm. this is within sort of the umbrella of acupuncture where a hard, it's not a needle, but it's like a hard little seed. It kind of looks like a seed, a stainless steel, little seed sized piece of metal that is taped over the area that corresponds to the organ or the part of the body that we want to have an impact on. And so chiropractors, uh, I've seen chiropractors do this. So, you know, again, somebody wants to have a positive impact on the function of the stomach. You can tape an ear seed in that area of the ear that corresponds with that. And then it will apply pressure. That little metal seed is going to apply pressure to the point. Mm -hmm. And so then people walk, you know, that's kind of taped on that area. And then people are told, oh, just, you know, live your life until it falls off. Okay. Oh, Eventually oh. the tape is going to lose its stickiness and kind of mm -hmm. fall off. And then the seed, you know, is going to go with it. Okay. Uh, and so that is, like I say, that is technically an acupressure technique because mm -hmm. there's no needle involved. There's no right. piercing of the skin involved. So that, that is under this umbrella. Um, a lot of people will do acupressure at home. There's many mm -hmm. books, you know, on acupressure and you can do that at home. There's a classic point, the web, the, the, you, the web on your hand between the mm -hmm. thumb and the finger. That's a classic mm -hmm. point used in acupuncture, used in Chinese medicine to help relieve pain. So a lot mm -hmm. of people will press, you know, you can kind of press your thumb on that part of the web there between your first finger and your thumb index mm -hmm. finger and your thumb, and then you're going to perform acupressure on that point that is associated with pain relief. So, you know, there's books on this. People will do that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So acupressure and acupuncture are kind of like cousins, it sounds like. Yeah. Pretty you know, acupuncture, you're puncturing the skin with a needle. Mm -hmm. Acupressure, you're applying pressure to the point. What, whether it. it be with your hands, these little seeds, that type of thing. Okay. So when I look at daith piercing, if we kind of circle back to daith piercing, mm -hmm. I believe that the benefit that people sometimes get from, from daith piercings, because again, daith piercings, this is something that's hit or miss too for people. Mm -hmm. But I can imagine a reason why it would work due to these acupuncture points that are known to exist on the ear. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if the piercer gets the spot right, then I could 
see that somebody could get a benefit from a date piercing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the mechanism behind date piercings is that you're hitting an acupuncture point on the ear. Now, when people go in for a date piercing, usually they are going into a piercer. Right. Right. And so is the piercer knowledgeable about acupuncture points in the ear and are they trying to hit that point Mm -hmm. or are they a piercer that pierces you know i don't know how many how much traffic they get do they do five (laughs) ear piercings a day right Mm -hmm. and you know they're piercing cartilage right you know you go into claire's boutique to get your ears pierced they're not piercing the cartilage in your ear right they're piercing your earlobe so somebody that wants a cartilage piercing Yeah, they're going to go to a piercer. And so is that piercer simply piercing for cosmetic or aesthetic appearance? Or are they knowledgeable uh, Mm -hmm. to hit that point? Yeah, my experience when I got mine done was the guys seemed to know enough about the pressure points or where the nerves were. But... It was very interesting because he took a needle and he's like, how about this spot? Are you feeling anything? How about this spot? Are you feeling anything? How about Mm, this spot? mm -hmm. So it was very like he waited until I felt a physical reaction to Mm. his needle touching me, which was really weird because I'm like, with (laughs) I'm here to get a piercing for anxiety. And you asking me where the Shen Men is, is giving me anxiety. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But it was interesting because when he did hit a weird spot, I had this like warm, tingly feeling going all the way through my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he pierced right there. So I think he knew more than probably Claire's Boutique, but it was still a very like intuitive, not 100% science kind of a process, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You, you need to know the area right he needs to know the anatomy of the ear and the and the the if you want to call it textbook skill or concrete skill right but then there is that intuitive aspect yep that Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me that that was your experience yeah and he Mm -hmm. just said when when you feel it you'll know and i was like whatever (laughs) you Uh know but he it was actually really a weird experience like oh i suddenly do feel that it's different but anyway No, it's like, it is interesting, right? You're going in there for something for anxiety and then like the pressure's on. Like, I got to get this right. (laughs) I have the same problem when I go to the eye doctor because when they're like number one or number two, I'm like, I don't know. Is there a right answer? I don't know. (laughs) Right? Uh Uh-huh. Everything's riding on that. Uh Uh-huh. And they get to the end and you can hardly tell the difference between the two, right? Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> but I have to get the right answer. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, circling back to acupuncture, I just wanted to, you know, basically have an understanding of how related, you know, the date piercings and things like that are to yeah. acupuncture. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that in. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about acupuncture itself as okay. a therapy. Okay. So in the United States, because most, if not all states, license acupuncturists. So again, in the United States, you can't 
perform procedures on people without a license. You can't cut someone's hair without a license. You can't give a massage to someone without a license. You can't crack somebody's back without a license. You can't stick needles in somebody without a license, right? Right. So in the United States, like I say, all or nearly all states license acupuncturists. And so in the United States, acupuncture has become a very common alternative medicine therapy because mm-hmm. people are able to do it. They can get the training and in a, in a, in sit for the licensing exam and get the license and perform the mm. therapy. Okay. So in some parts of the country, you're going to see a lot of acupuncturist offices around. I live in the Chicago area. There's a lot of uh, storefronts for acupuncturists, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was in naturopathic medical school, I was very surprised to learn that acupuncture within traditional Chinese medicine is not considered a very strong therapy. It's sort of considered an adjunct type therapy. Mm -hmm. It's not the therapy that's pulling the cart, so to speak. In traditional Chinese medicine, the use of herbs is much more prominent, is really what's pulling the cart towards health, so to speak. Okay. And so acupuncture is considered sort of an add-on, a little bit of an add-on. In the United States, acupuncture is used as the main horse that's pulling the cart. Okay. So it's a mismatch between the actual potential of the therapy and what it's being used for, right? It's like we've, we're trying to pull a thousand pound cart. You need a strong horse at the front. You're not a pony. Okay. To pull that cart. Okay. So that was very interesting to me. I was fortunate enough to be taught by a traditional Chinese medicine doctor and not an acupuncturist, not that I have anything against acupuncturists, but I was taught by a highly credentialed and very well-known doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And so when I learned this from him, I found that very interesting because acupuncture is so prominent Mm -hmm. in the United States. So we've got a pony pulling the cart in the United States. Seems like in a lot of ways we have things backwards in the United States, but that might be a (laughs) soapbox for another day. (laughs) So so let's talk about what acupuncture is doing. Mm -hmm. So in Chinese medicine, they have a concept of qi. Now, the concept of qi is... Uh, I'm going to simplify it a little bit, but the but when they refer to chi, mm-hmm. this is the energy that moves through the body. Mm-hmm. So there is a life force that animates us, right? Mm-hmm. We are alive, right? There's a life force that animates all living things, that is flowing through all living things, if you will. 
animating it, moving it, keeping it coordinated, keeping it in homeostasis, Mm -hmm. in balance. Is there a word for that in like more traditional Western culture? Like I've always kind of wondered, what is the equivalent when you're from Utah? No. (laughs) (laughs) So in naturopathic medicine and in homeopathic medicine, we call this the vital force. Mm -hmm. Okay. I call this the third principle, our resiliency and vitality. Mm -hmm. Now it's a little more complicated than this. There's another aspect in Chinese medicine that is called Shen. Mm -hmm. And Shen is the animating force of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so I think what is probably more accurate if you combine qi and you combine shen mm. that's going to be what we call in natural medicine in naturopathic medicine the vital force okay so um but it is the animating force the life force that animates all living things mm. sometimes people talk about consciousness consciousness mm-hmm. again is going to be more like what they Call Shen in Chinese medicine. Mm-hmm. I think I think of the vital force as I-, I think it's more accurate to combine consciousness and the and chi or just energy. Period. Mm-hmm. Subtle, subtle points, okay. But in Chinese medicine, they have identified pathways that this energy or chi flows through the body. And so mm-hmm. you've probably seen acupuncture charts where it's sort of like, you know, a, a outline of a man standing there and there's all these lines mm-hmm. and points and so on. So those lines correspond to sort of the energy channels that the chi mm-hmm. is flowing on. And then the points correspond to where the energy channel gets close to the surface of the body. And so then if we apply pressure to that area, if we put in a needle in that area, we're influencing the energy that's moving through that pathway. Because in that location, it's closer to the surface and we can access it a little bit easier. Hmm. Okay, so you can't just stick an acupuncture needle anywhere you want along that pathway. You have to apply it. You have to put it in the point where the pathway is close to the skin. Hmm. And different points are at different depths. So Mm. some acupuncture points, that energy channel is coming up very, very close to the skin and you don't need to put that needle in very far. Mm -hmm. There are other acupuncture points where you've got to put that needle in deeper because Mm -hmm. the channel is a little bit further buried, a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. in the skin. Hmm. Okay, so when we're putting the needle in, we are trying to reach that point where the energy channel is accessible to the needle. So I'm wondering if anyone else is over here going, so if I miss the right spot, is that going to break something? Like, Well, this is where you have to understand anatomy. Right. And you have to understand all aspects of anatomy, just not where the muscles are. 
Right. right. Because, yeah, there are a lot of acupuncture points on the back. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we have pretty close to the surface of the back? Well, our lungs are actually pretty close to the surface in our back. So you could puncture somebody's lungs with an acupuncture needle. Mm, that would not be good. That's yeah. not good. Okay. So when you're putting in an acupuncture needle over the area where the lungs are, you have to know, okay, how deep am I, am I putting this in? Mm-hmm. And we okay. just lost all of our people who are even remotely scared of needles. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I know, right? We got a lot of cringing going on. Right? <laughs> yep. So, you know, this is why, again, uh, this is why things are licensed, right? So mm -hmm. that people have to have training. They have to sit for a licensing exam. They have to maintain the requirements to keep their license over time. Because this stuff, it's its no joke, mm -hmm. right? You puncture a lung, you're in the ER. Right. Right. You puncture um, someone else's lung, we're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, right. You, right. You definitely don't want to puncture somebody else's lung. Right? Right. And, you know, again, some of these are very close to arteries, right? So you don't mm -hmm. want to put a needle in somebody's artery. Okay. So yeah. you really have to have a very good understanding of all aspects of anatomy to, mm -hmm. to do acupuncture. Okay. So we have, again, in Chinese medicine, we have these sort of rivers of current, rivers of chi, rivers of energy that are flowing through the body. And at certain points, certain points on those rivers, the river comes close to the surface of the body and we can access it by pressing on it or putting a needle in there, etc. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in Chinese medicine, we would do this so that we can adjust, we can influence the movement of the chi, the mm -hmm. movement of the energy. How exactly does that happen though? Like, is it magnetically charged somehow or electrically charged and it like repels it or how does the movement actually happen? That is a great question that I have no answer to. <laughs> the only way that can be answered is speculative. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. I think that what's very interesting about Chinese medicine is it was developed thousands of years ago, and I'm sure it took many thousands of years to develop. Mm -hmm. And it is based on very, very astute observations mm -hmm. of the human body and the responses the human body generates to different interventions. So mm -hmm. the Chinese were very, very astute observers. Mm -hmm. And I think that their observations have led to a lot of really interesting insights. Mm -hmm. But we don't have the laboratory technology yet mm -hmm. to sort of laboratory test the theories, mm -hmm. right? The theories are based on astute observation. Mm -hmm. And the if you act in accordance with the theory, you will see repeatable results. Mm -hmm. And this is a hallmark of science, right? Mm -hmm. 
Science is observing the world, making a hypothesis, and then testing that hypothesis, right? And if you have a correct hypothesis, then you're going to see the results repeated time after time after time. Mm-hmm. But we don't have technology to measure things like chi, right? So correct. Right? That's the part of it that like you can't see so, or you can't touch it. You can't see it. So it's hard to measure. Exactly. Exactly. So a lot of people say things like, well, if we can't measure it in a lab, it's not scientific. Mm. This is a false understanding of what science is. Mm-hmm. Right? Science is making astute observations, coming up with a hypothesis as to why this phenomenon is occurring, mm-hmm. and then testing that hypothesis. And if we test the hypothesis and we get consistent results over and over again, right? Okay, I, somebody has pain and I press on this point between mm-hmm. their thumb and finger. And the pain got a little bit better. Mm-hmm. If, oh, well, I have a hypothesis that there's there's some sort of point there, right? That if it's pressed, it's going to help with pain. Well, if I press it a thousand times on a thousand different people mm-hmm. and over and over again, I see some relief in pain. Right? Mm-hmm. I have tested the hypothesis that there's something to, uh, there's something about that spot that's important, mm-hmm. right? And if I see that to be true over and over and over again, that's still scientific. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like gravity. Like we can't actually see gravity, but we know it's there because it never fails, <laughs> really. Right, exactly. But in this day and age, it's considered like unless it's I can measure it in a lab. It's not scientific. That's a false understanding of science, right? Einstein, right? He had hypotheses. He had predictions based on those hypotheses. I mean, we are just having the technology to explain Einstein's, you know, what, how Einstein was quote unquote correct or right. We're just developing some of that technology. So was Einstein incorrect a hundred years ago when he was making these hypotheses? No, he, he, right. He was a scientist with mm-hmm. right. Superior intellect, superior intuition, which is also mm-hmm. part of science. Mm-hmm. And right. He was able to make these predictions, but we didn't know necessarily why on a sub subatomic level, he was correct. Now we have the technology to, to see why he was correct, but it doesn't mean that he was false until we had the technology. Right. That makes sense. So this is, this is a case with uh, the concept of qi and these acupuncture points within traditional Chinese medicine. There's something there. Okay. Mm-hmm. My, my own experience receiving acupuncture my own experience administering acupuncture. There's something to the astute observations and hypotheses that the Chinese made. There's something to it, right? Can I explain it with laboratory work or a CT scan or something like that? No, I can't. But that does not make it unscientific or unvalid. Okay. Right. So acupuncture is done to sort of influence the flow of what I call the organizing energy of the body. 
So I, if you've been following the podcast, I talk about the three principles that are required to restore our health and maintain our health. And the third principle is restoring our resiliency and vitality. This is the language that I use. Mm -hmm. So under the umbrella of this third principle falls chi, falls vital force. Okay. I think that the, this third principle, what I call resiliency and vitality is even bigger than the vital force or chi. Okay. I have, I have, to me, those two concepts are sort of under a bigger umbrella of our resiliency and vitality. But there is an organizing energy to any living system. Even ecosystems have an organizing energy that keeps it in balance, keeps it in homeostasis, keeps it functioning coherently. So if you think of a beehive, right? You have, I don't know how many bees are in a hive, 5,000 bees, okay? You have 5,000 individual insects coordinated in such a way that the honey gets made. Right. So even within ecosystems or beehives or anthills, there's an organizing energy to those organisms. Mm-hmm. We are way more complex than a beehive. We have 30 to 40 trillion cells. Mm-hmm. We have our mental and emotional aspect, consciousness. Okay. We are unbelievably complex. Mm-hmm. And there's an organizing energy that keeps us in homeostasis, keeps us in balance, keeps us in a state of health. That is what I'm talking about within this third principle. Okay. Chi, what the Chinese call chi, is part of that organizing energy. What we call the vital force in naturopathic medicine or homeopathic medicine is that organizing energy that keeps the system in homeostasis, in balance. So when we're doing acupuncture, right, if people go in to the acupuncturist because they're not in balance, they're not in homeostasis. They're Mm -hmm. feeling sick. They have Mm -hmm. symptoms, right? They're not in a state of health. Otherwise, you don't walk in the clinic. And so acupuncture is applying a stimulus to these energy channels to try to move them towards homeostasis, towards balance, towards health. Okay, that's that's what we're doing with the needles. That's what we're doing with the pressure, the ear seeds. Okay, we're trying to bring the energy back into homeostasis, back into balance, mm-hmm. so that we move towards health. Okay. Now, that sounds great. However, acupuncture, it's not a very strong mover of mm-hmm. people's energy. It moves it a little bit. So in naturopathic medicine, we have other therapies that are a lot stronger, a lot more efficient. Mm -hmm. Also, what I have learned in my work is that our mental and emotional aspect, 
has a tremendous impact on the flow of energy, on the coordination of the life force. Mm. That makes sense. Right. So unfortunately, acupuncture, like I say, it's a pony. It's not a stallion. Mm. It's not a Clydesdale. It's a pony. So that kind of explains why it might help a little bit, but not, you know, not for everybody and not a ton. Like Correct. And we have two other principles that we also have to work on to restore our health. So I call, you know, the first principle is we have to get the nutrients to every cell in the body because if these 30 to 40 trillion cells don't have the nutrients that they need to function properly, you can move the energy around all day. It's Mm -hmm. not going to happen, right? The cells have to have the material they need to do their work. That's just basic physiology and biochemistry. And our cells are continuously generating metabolic waste material. This is the second principle. We have to clear from the body metabolic waste material and toxins. So again, if our cells have done the work that they need to do, and then all of this metabolic waste material and byproducts can't get out of the cell and can't get out of the body, the cells aren't going to function well. This is again, basic physiology and biochemistry. So if we're moving the energy around and we don't have enough nutrients to function and we're swimming in trash, you can move the energy around all day long. You're not going to get a benefit or you're going to get a very, very minimal benefit. So it's not like you're saying never go to an acupuncturist. It's not going to help you. It's just not going to make enough of a difference to, especially for our severe chronic sufferers, like to really help them. Correct. Mm -hmm. And people can get to the point, unfortunately, Within the second principle Mm -hmm. of clearing metabolic waste material and toxins. So the more overloaded we get with waste material and toxins, the more of a backup there is, the more there is a backlog, the more and more sensitive people become. Because the waste material and the toxins are irritating to the system. Mm Mm-hmm. And so we feel keyed up, we feel irritable, we have Mm -hmm. anxiety, and we become super sensitive to everything. Mm. We become sensitive to noise and light and the weather and our medications. And it's like everything just gets on edge, right? So then we go in and we start moving the energy around. This is where people can feel worse. Mm. So with chronic migraine sufferers, more so than other types of chronic health conditions, again, if you've been following me, I I talk about this a lot, and this is why I've dedicated my life to migraine sufferers. Migraines are a different type of condition. There is a hypersensitivity that occurs when people are in a chronic migraine state that does not occur in other chronic conditions. I've never worked with a diabetic that was hypersensitive, like a chronic migraine sufferer is hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're hypersensitive just to sugar issues, but like they're not hypersensitive to light sources and 
uh, smell. Yeah. I, I slept too late, so now I'm going to get a migraine, right? Mm-hmm. Chronic migraine sufferers, right? They're sensitive to their routines. To everything, yeah. Everything, right? And so when you are in that hypersensitive state and you start manipulating somebody's chi, you can throw people into a migraine. Hmm. Okay. So you have to be very careful with a chronic migraine sufferer. Mm-hmm. And most practitioners don't understand that because they've never had a migraine. They've never had chronic migraines. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they get a chronic migraine sufferer on the table. Oh yeah, I can take this migraine away. Sure. Cause they're, they're used to, you know, they work with somebody with back pain or knee pain and they, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, pain. Okay. I can, I can do this. And then, you know, half hour later, somebody's in the full throes of a migraine now. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you just said pain, pain, like it was no big deal. But the more I learn about migraines, the more I'm realizing that it's not just about pain, right? Like right. the the migraine condition or sin, what do you call that? Like symptom groups or whatever. I don't know. Words are hard today, Leslie. <laughs> I swear I'm like, I'm fighting brain fog or something, but it is, it's like way more than just, oh, this hurts. It's, it hurts. I can't see. I can't think straight. I can, you know, mm-hmm. there's so many different sim- symptoms. Like one of our ladies is like, my skin hurts and, you know, now it's my teeth and it's just kind of like the list never ends, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Somebody has back pain. Yeah. I have chronic back pain. Mm-hmm. totally different chronic pain condition than somebody with chronic migraines. Totally right. different. Right. Not even in the same, you know, same universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it was only pain, we can all deal with a headache, right? Like a, a regular generic headache is, oh, I got two Advil and we're good to go. But this mm-hmm. is not just headaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with acupuncture, there are some real risks to chronic migraine sufferers. You can feel worse getting acupuncture. Happens all the time. The other thing is it is working within just the third principle, not all three principles that are required to restore and maintain your health. Mm. And it's not the most efficient or uh, robust therapy within the third principle, mm. right? So it's an incomplete therapy. That's even kind of a weak therapy mm. within what it does influence. Interesting. Okay. And because it is sort of, sort of a weak therapy, if you have a chronic health condition, whether it's migraines or, or other chronic health conditions, Mm-hmm. In order to see any sort of benefit from acupuncture, you're going to have to go in three, four, five times a week for acupuncture. Oh, wow. Mm-mm. Okay. This is not, I'm going to go in once a month for acupuncture and it's going to have an effect on my health. It's not that strong of a mm-hmm. therapy. And so what I see over and over again is that acupuncturists, are too afraid to tell people this. Mm. 
Because if you say to somebody, you're going to have to come into the office, because again, this is not something that can be done over the phone. This can't right. be done during uh, via telemed, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got to come in to the acupuncturist. you got to lay on their table for a de- you know defined period of time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, time is of the essence, right? I mean, p- people don't have unlimited time. Right. And so what I see over and over again is that acupuncturists, they seem to be nervous to tell people, look, uh, I do acupuncture. This is the therapy. I'm going to need you here on this table four times a week for an hour. Right. Who has time for that? Mm -hmm. They seem to be reluctant to tell people this. I'm reluctant to listen. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big freaking commitment, you know? It's a big commitment, but that's what the therapy requires. Mm -hmm. And so I can't tell you how many clients I've had over the years where they say, oh, well, I've tried acupuncture. You know, acupuncture didn't work for me. Nothing works for me. I've tried acupuncture. Okay, well, how frequently were you going into the acupuncturist? Every three to four weeks. Oh, well. (laughs) Yeah, so... The acupuncturist, right? They're they're happy to take the money for the one session, mm. but they don't have the courage to tell people, "I'm going to need you here for a session, three, four, five times a week, for right. six weeks." Is acupuncture fairly expensive? The only time I did it was through an MD, and so it was billed to my insurance, and I don't even know, like how costly it is. Yeah, the fees are going to vary depending on, you know, cost of living index, you know, in your area, the confidence that the acupuncturist has, that Mm -hmm. type of thing. I'm just thinking, gosh, three, four days a week, that could really add up. Yeah, it adds up, adds up quick. Mm -hmm. I was practicing in Arizona. Um, I had colleagues that would do what is called community acupuncture. Mm-hmm. And so they might have a room in their office with five lounge chairs and they might book people. Okay, let's get five people in here from three to four and boom, boom, boom. I'm going to put the needles in for all five people. And then hmm. they're going to sit there together in that room. Oh, fun. And they would offer that at a reduced rate compared mm-hmm. to, you know, you're in your individual treatment room hmm. kind of a thing. So that's an approach that some practitioners, I've I've seen some people use that to bring the cost down. Hmm. But, you know, it will depend on your area. A lot of um, chiropractors, if chiropractors do it, they will bill it through insurance. But again, the chiropractic requires, at the beginning, many frequent sessions. Right. So chiropractic adjustment, you also have to go in about three times a week for Mm -hmm. chiropractic adjustment if you have a chronic health condition. And Mm -hmm. usually chiropractors are pretty good at telling people that. And most chiropractors take insurance. And so chiropractors that do acupuncture, yeah, you're coming in for your spinal adjustment. We're going to do acupuncture, too. You know, with chiropractors, I see a little bit more compliance around getting people in enough to see mm-hmm. any sort of benefit with acupuncture. Cause they already got you coming yeah. in to get your back cracked several times a week. And it seems like the expectation is there. Like most people have had enough 
exposure to act, uh, chiropractors that they know they're going to have to go multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other uh, drawback to acupuncture is that it doesn't add energy to the system. It helps reroute the energy. It helps bring the energy into greater coherence, if you will, but it doesn't add energy. So if you're depleted, it's not like, uh, you're not, you're not doing a, oh my gosh, I'm going to use a car analogy, but you're not (laughs) hooking up the batteries and charging it real quick. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> See, uh, I don't, again, I don't probably know as much or less about cars than you do, Mary. You know, <laughs> I mean, we really should stay away from car analogies, but whatever, it's fine. Right. But let me, let me try one too. Right. It's like, um, you know, instead of putting the, filling the oil up, we're just mm-hmm. trying to, you know, make the oil run more smoothly, but we're not putting more oil in. More in. I'm over here. One of these days, I'm going to say, you know, the thing above that does the other thing. And then <laughs> we're going to get really bad at it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this, like I say, there are other natural therapies that will add energy mm-hmm. to the system. Okay. So like I say, acupuncture, a, a pony pulling the cart rather than a um, Clydesdale pulling the cart. Okay. So there you have it with acupuncture. When I changed my practice five years ago to work with people all over the country and do that over the phone, not work with people in person anymore, I knew that not being able to do acupuncture, I knew it was not going to have a big impact. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't going to be a showstopper. For like sure. Gonna make or break everything. Yeah. Correct. Interesting. Correct. Yeah. Well, this is super interesting. Like, I am glad I know a little bit more about acupuncture for sure and like what it even, how it works and, you know, mm-hmm. how much it actually will help and all that. Mm-hmm. Do you think in other pain situations it's more helpful than for migraine sufferers or about the same? I think for acute pain. Mm hmm. I think it can be very helpful for, uh, you know, sprains, strains, things like that, because (laughs) if, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm over here. Strains. What did you say? Strains and sprains. And sprains. And my brain went, and automobiles. I don't know. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I think for those, those sorts of things. It's more effective. Okay. If you have a chronic health condition, you Mm -hmm. are depleted within those three principles. Mm -hmm. And you have to act within those three principles on all three of those principles to recover your health if you have a chronic health condition. When I threw out my sciatic, sciatic nerve or whatever, that was more of an acute issue that could potentially be addressed in this Mm -hmm. way. Somebody has a, you know, somebody gets the flu and then it goes into bronchitis. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an acute illness, right? Uh, if somebody is getting that cold and bronchitis, 
and they have a chronic health condition, it's not going to do too much. But if somebody's in, you know, good health, oh, I caught caught a bug. Mm-hmm. Right. Because we're, we don't have to kind of pull somebody out of out of, out of three holes. Right. Mm-hmm. We just need to kind of get them patched up. This is when you we, you can use things like a pony. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, very good. I can't believe we talked an hour on this. <laughs> I'm always amazed at our ability to talk that long about everything. At all. I know, right? <laughs> about just about anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also impressed with my level of lame jokes some days. <laughs> it's a gift, really. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, all right. All right. Well, very good. And thank you to um, submitting the question in the Facebook group. So if you want to join us in the free Facebook group, you can find us at Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar ND on Facebook. You can join us there and you can submit your questions there too. All right. Well, thanks, Mary. Great talking to you again. I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Well, wonderful. And thanks everybody for listening. And before you go, be sure to like this episode and subscribe to this podcast. Um, And please, if you have somebody in your life who's suffering from chronic migraines, please share this information with them. Who could benefit from this information that we talked about today? Please share that on your social media or share it with your friends and loved ones who've been praying for this information. And if you want to stay connected with Mary and I, please join our free Facebook group. We have nearly 12,000 women who are rediscovering a migraine-free life naturally. You can go to Healing Migraines Naturally with Leslie Caesar ND in the search box on Facebook, or you can go to HealingMigrainesNaturally.com and we will redirect you there. 